Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. I'm very, very glad to be back. But have you all enjoyed the speakers the past couple of weeks? I had lots of text messages and, and good things said about all of them. Uh, so I'm so, so very grateful uh, to have been allowed this time off. It, it Honestly, it was a very crazy month for us personally, for our family. Uh, so I was definitely grateful not to have to think about work as well on top of all that. But we did get some good news as well this month. Have you all heard my family's good news? It sounds like you have, but there may be somebody in the room that has it. So Aaron and I are having baby number three, Pringle baby number three. Really, really awesome. Weird year for us. Never a dull moment, right? We're off again for some weeks in July. Uh, have some more awesome speakers lined up for you at that point. And uh, then again in the fall. But there was one thing Aaron and I just kept talking about this month. We hate not being here on Sundays. <laughs> like it is not pleasant. I, and I'm not even talking about the control issues that I've mentioned that I have before with not being here. Uh, I just miss you guys. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's painful to be away from the body for weeks on end. Uh, you know, Aaron and I both grew up going to church like 87 times a week, and certainly these past 14 years of ministry, you know, we, we hardly ever miss a Sunday, and it is a, it's a discipline. to not, It's kind of like a fast of sorts to not be here. Uh, but I'll tell you what, fasts teach you stuff, <laughs> right? They are valuable lessons, and... Uh, It's funny what a fast will do to put your priorities in perspective. perspective, This was essentially, it was like that. I think I'm learning how to separate. I I say this all the time, but fasts always do this for me. I learned to separate pieces of my identity with a fast, right? Like, Like to separate the me from the pastoral the me from the ministry. It's dangerous when pastors take their identity from ministry. Right, they stick it in, in what they do, not who they are. It's dangerous for anyone, really, but especially leaders. And I think that's the main thing this first leg of sabbatical has has taught me. It's reminded me who I am a little bit outside of ministry. So, again, thank you for allowing us that time off. Thank you for taking care of each other well and uh, welcoming our guests. Yeah, ready to jump in today. We're going to go ahead and jump into the very last week of this Made New series. I got to kick off this series, and I plan to wrap it up today as well. Now, I went through a phase about a year ago where I just couldn't get enough of the book of Acts. I was pouring into it, and I preached a lot through it about a year ago. Um, It just struck me how as I read through the book of Acts, how different the early apostles were from the church of today. <laughs> how, different, how differently they thought and acted and behaved and took care of each other. All of the things that we talk about every week in church, they actually lived. Now they were actually selfless, actually passionate, actually vibrant, and they really did change the world. I see them so different from us, from me, by the book of Acts. I mean, they didn't start out that way, right? 
the disciples, we see their journey through the gospels, they definitely didn't start out as world changers. They became that way by following Jesus. They spent three years with Jesus, every waking moment practically. They were learning from him, being corrected by him, watching him. They were being made new by him. They did the hard work that Beck was talking about last week, tilling the soil and asking Jesus questions and changing their attitudes and mindsets to line up with Jesus. It's tough work. But it wasn't until they were empowered by the Holy Spirit that things really actually changed. Instead of walking beside Jesus, they were now walking with Jesus. There is a difference. I say all the time, people love to say that God is for you. And he is, he is for you, but he's not just for you, rooting for you up in the sky, aloof and distant. He is also with you. It makes such a difference when you can get a hold of it. Instead of watching Jesus work from the sidelines, they were watching Jesus work through them. Altogether different, changed made new. And what I want to show you today is that it's the Holy Spirit that makes us all together different, made new from the inside out. It is one thing to be a follower of Jesus, completely other thing to be empowered by the Spirit of Jesus working through you. I may not be in sermon shape anymore. My voice is like, what is this talking Look, we are not meant to look like the world. That's what this entire series has been about. We are made new. We are different because of who Jesus is. We're not meant to look like the world. We are in it, right? But we are of something different. No more same old, same old. No more, I can't tell you how many times I ask Christians, you know, in the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning, hey, how you doing? And I get back, oh, I'm here. It's another day. I made it this morning. Look, I'm glad. I am glad you dragged yourself to church this morning when you probably didn't feel like it, right? But even on your worst day, God is with you. And even on your worst day, God has made you new. Even on your worst day, Jesus still died for you. Even on your worst day, we know that this reality is only temporary. That we have a place to go for eternity that is good and perfect and with Jesus. And even on your worst day, we know that God can use all things, all things, bad things, all things, work all things together for the good of those who love the Lord. Even on your worst day, we have these realities, right? We are made new as Christians. Can I get an amen? We are made... I'm tired of seeing Christians act like the world is out to get them all the time. Don't get me wrong, it is, right? It is out to get you, but we don't have to act like it because Jesus made us new, right? He brought us out of that mindset. We don't have to live there. He gave us freedom and hope for the future. We are set free, y'all, and not bound to that reality anymore. I'm not saying you have to be like influencer happy all the time, right? Turn that frown upside down. I'm not, that's not. Jesus didn't walk around holier than thou with, with this attitude, right? Like he, he didn't walk around looking like a priest, like a religious leader, like a Pharisee who wore their robes and their tassels and whatever. 
He didn't. He looked like an everyday person to the point that when they sent guys to arrest Jesus, they had to be led to him by Judas. He looked like a regular guy. They had to pay someone to tell them who he was because he blended in. Jesus didn't draw attention to himself by looking different. He didn't wear fancy clothes, although he, was, he did wear nice clothes. His disciples took care of him. And in fact, the ladies in the ministry made sure he had nice things. Uh, we know this from scripture, but he didn't stand out as someone official, someone holy, someone better than everyone else. The difference wasn't on the outside. The difference was on the inside. And this is how Jesus changes us, not how religion changes us, how Jesus Christ of Nazareth that died on a tree 2,000 years ago, that's how he changes us from the inside out. And the difference with us today should also be on the inside. We are made new from the inside out. Religion tends to get this wrong. We work on the outside first with religion, right? You can't make yourself good or holy or righteous though from the outside in. It doesn't work that way. We try. We try all the time, but it doesn't work like that. We are not working on our own strength anymore. We don't have to work on our own strength anymore. We're not working on our own abilities. We're not working on our own peace and joy and hope and wisdom anymore. Can I get an amen on that? Because thank God, thank God I don't have to be more than I am. I don't have to force myself to be peaceful. I don't, I don't have to rely on me anymore. I'm not enough. And there's freedom in knowing that. I can't tell you how many times I have felt insufficient in serving him. It's like every day. (laughs) My own gifts would have only got me so far. And let me tell you what, we are far past that now. I'm made new from the inside out. It is a daily constant process. How I know is I still get plagued with insecurity sometimes. Regularly. Like uh, these fears well up within me and I'm like, really God? I thought I conquered this a long time ago. The reality is I didn't conquer anything. He conquered some things through me and sometimes the me still bubbles back up. I get plagued with it. Sometimes we we limit ourselves. Sometimes we're the only ones limiting ourselves. We think we can't do it. We're not good enough. We're not talented enough. I'm not enough. And the reality is, beautiful freeing reality is it's true. I am not enough. I was never meant to be enough. Jesus sent a helper. He wouldn't have done that if we didn't need one. We need a helper. And he, through me, is enough. Thank God. Jesus was still the son of God before he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. But his ministry started when he was baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. We're still sons and daughters of God before we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, but can we do the job that the Holy Spirit is calling us to do in our own strength? Why are we still trying? Would he have sent a helper if we could do it alone? I want to read to you today a portion of Acts 14. Some of you will remember this message from about a year ago, but I think we need it again. This 
is a portion of scripture I'm sure I've read many times before, but there's a verse in particular in this chapter that just hit me like a ton of bricks. I want to share it with you again today. Acts 14, verse 8. While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came, up, came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached. Looking straight at him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, stand up. And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect, these men are gods in human form. They're gods in human form. They're not praising God, the God of Israel, Jehovah Jireh. They're not praising him. They're saying these men are gods in human form. They decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus and that Paul was Hermes since he was their chief speaker. Side note, because this is interesting and I've been thinking about this all week. We sometimes think it's only our culture. Like today, you know, people always say, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, right? Everything's getting worse. Can't believe this world. It happened back then too. Like we sometimes think our culture is the only culture that could look at things that God does and attribute them to something else. Like, like we see the amazing things that God does and we turn around and say, oh, that must have been just because of the medicine or that must have been, you know, there's psychology going on behind that. We, we talk ourselves out of the miraculous or seeing the miraculous for what it is and we attribute it to other things, right? Like we, we look at these miraculous things that we see week in and week out here around the altar and we just know there's someone in your life that is gonna say, there's a scientific explanation for that, <laughs> right? And we are sometimes that person. We explain things away. But no, 2,000 years ago, they're doing the same thing. They saw something miraculous and attributed it to anything but God. Must be Zeus and Hermes. It must be a scientific explanation. It must fit into something we already know. We, we try to make God fit into our box instead of allowing him to blow our box apart. This is sometimes our hindrance to being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Like we, we want to know how it all works. I get this question all the time. Like explain to me the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I explain as much as I can. But to be honest, there is a point you just kind of have to jump. <laughs> I can't explain how the Holy Spirit works exactly because it is supernatural, not natural. It is beyond me. If I could explain it all, it wouldn't be him, right? It's miraculous. I can't explain all of it. There's not always an explanation. It's hard to even describe how the baptism in the Holy Spirit feels, much less how it works. I can tell you what it looks like. I can tell you what it feels like, kind of, but words don't seem like they're enough. It is a miraculous, supernatural experience. You just have to jump sometimes. And sometimes Jesus says, it's not for you to know. And I went through a, a long phase of discipleship with the Holy Spirit, really, that I was questioning, God, why does this happen? Like, I wanted to know all these little details. Like, God, why can't I have so much more Bible? You put sentences in there that just, I need like a book on just that sentence, please. Why is there not more? I just, I wanted to know more. God, explain this to me. 
And then I came across the verse where Jesus says, that's not for you to know. The disciples are asking when he's coming back and they want details, right? What's, what's happening next? That's, it's not for you to know. I like knowing. I want to know things. God wants to be in control. It's really about control, right? I want to know. I want to know what's going to happen so I can be prepared. And it's almost like Jesus is saying, can you just let me be the knower? Can you just let me prepare? Can you just trust that I know and you don't have to? I will let you know what you need to know, when you need to know it. And I just have to be okay with that. If you can't tell, I'm not always, but I'm trying. That, by the way, is faith. It's faith. Being obedient even when you don't know why. Being obedient even when you don't have all the answers. When you don't think it's actually beneficial to you to be obedient, but you do it anyway. (laughs) Not knowing all the answers and still following through. We, We have to release this need to know it all, knowing that he knows it all. Just place our faith in him, right? Verse 13. Now the temple of Zeus was located just outside the town. So the priests of the temple and the crowd brought bulls and wreaths of flowers to the town gates and they prepared to offer sacrifices to the apostles. I don't know about you, but I think most people, I'm probably not alone in liking compliments. I like to be praised, right? When you've done a good thing, you want that, you want somebody to know it, to acknowledge it, to say good job, right? Thank you. Obviously, this is taking it a little far, but I think it would have been incredibly hard to turn down without the Holy Spirit. I think I see lots of pastors, I'm not pastor shaming here, but I think there's this trap that leaders fall into sometimes where they start accepting sacrifices to some degree. Instead of redirecting that to God, rebuking it a little bit, saying, no, that's not, I didn't do this, God did this. They begin to accept sacrifices. And it's tough to say no to. Because sometimes the line is fuzzy (laughs) where you stop and the Holy Spirit begins. This is obviously not fuzzy. A miracle happened. Paul didn't do this, right? But it, it is amazing and it speaks to their character and the Holy Spirit working through them that we have a different outcome to this story. Verse 14, but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard what was happening, they tore their clothing in dismay and ran out among the people shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings just like you. We have come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. They're trying to get them to see, look, this is so much bigger than us. We're just people, guys. This is not us. This is the God of heaven and and earth, the sea, so much bigger. In the past, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways, but he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. For instance, he sends you rain and good crops and gives you food and joyful hearts. 
But even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing them to them. They, they were trying to take this moment and make it into a teaching moment. Refusing the praise, right? Refusing the sacrifices. They could have had a big feast that night and partied hard. They chose not to. Knowing, because they had been through some persecution by this point, what may happen, what ended up happening. And honestly, these guys, this group of people might have been discipled through this. It says they could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them. They, they might have gotten them through this, won them over, except verse 19, then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. Jews arrived. And I want you to understand the significance of this because Jews arrived and teamed up with what they would have considered heathens. Jews don't do that, okay? They're very clear about what's clean, what's not clean, what they will and will not do, who they look down upon and who they do not, okay? Jews arrived and teamed up with heathens just to defeat Christians. Jews that never would have darkened the doors of this town if they did not have a common enemy. Jews that, that never would have come to this town to love the people. Never would have come to, to tell them that God loved them. They never would have come out of compassion for people. Right? Old religion is still mad about Jesus. So mad that they're willing to step outside their comfort zone to defeat a guy they should have already defeated. They thought they already defeated, right? By their narrative, he's still in a tomb. They're still so salty about this itinerant homeless traveling rabbi that they followed his apostles from other towns. Do you understand this? They killed Jesus, put him on a cross. They thought they killed the movement altogether, but the movement cannot be killed. Jesus Christ is as much an idea as he was a person and as he is God still today. Right? Jesus Christ is the good news and you cannot put that idea, the movement, that news on a cross. You cannot kill it. Old religion is still following it around. Still mad about it. They can't kill it. In fact, the harder they try, the more it flourishes. Right, somebody here today knows this because it's happened to you. Right? They, they tried to kill me. They tried to stomp out this light. They tried to keep me quiet. They tried to stomp out this fire, this passion within me. But darn it if it doesn't just keep coming back. Because he that is within me so much greater than he that is within the world. I know what I have. I know who I am and whose I am. You can't kill that idea. You can't put it in jail. You can't stone it to death. I am a child of the living God. I am redeemed by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. I am forgiven, not forsaken. I am justified, sanctified. I am a new creature in Christ. I am strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I am not moved by what I see. I am more than a conqueror. That's who I am because of Jesus, not because of me. The old religion. <sighs> 
Y'all are fired up. Come on, get fired up. Old religion, it tries to keep us down. It, it keeps us obedient. It wants us ashamed, subjugated and oppressed, carrying heavy burdens of guilt, jumping through hoops. The Jews tried to crucify him. It only made him stronger. It made the very idea of him stronger. Jesus, son of Joseph the carpenter, may have died on the cross that day, but the gospel got up three days later. <clears throat> look, the world may look dark today. The darkness often looks like it's winning for a while. Right, but Jesus rose. That life-altering, gut-shattering good news. The, the world wants to say that, yeah, Jesus was a good guy, right? His, his teachings were good and, and all of that. But I don't know about the rest. Look, the good news isn't just his teachings. The good news isn't just treat others as you want to be treated, the, the, the golden rule and whatever. The good news is that Jesus came back. That Jesus, on his own power and strength, defeated death in the grave. That he broke the curse of sin and shame. The Jews want to put all that to bed. They, they, they thought they could stop it, which seems laughable now, 2,000 years later. They couldn't stop it. The harder they tried, the less it worked. But here's the verse I want you to get today. Verse 19. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town, thinking he was dead. That's not the verse. That's just the lead up to the verse. But listen to it, because goodness. They stoned him and dragged him out of town. This is what happened when he didn't take the sacrifices that they wanted to give him. They wanted to honor him. I mean, they thought they wanted to honor him. In reality, they wanted to put him in their box. He said no, so they stone him. They kill him. I mean, they think they kill him. They drag him out of town thinking he's dead. <laughs> this is the verse 20. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and went back into town. I, I don't think you heard it. As the believers gathered around him, he got up and went right back into town. <laughs> What happened there? I will tell you what happened. You can't kill the gospel. Can't kill the gospel. The believers gathered around him. The believers were vibrant. They were passionate. They were selfless. They, people of prayer and worship, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire and they gathered around him and they lifted the atmosphere of faith around him and he got up. <laughs> Bruised and broken but he got up, right? Beat up and shut up, but he got up. Run out of town and beaten down, but he got up. Slandered and attacked, but he got up. Whipped and wounded, but he got up. Crucified and hung on a tree, but Jesus Christ got up. What's keeping you down today? What could possibly be keeping you down today? <laughs> he got up. 
come on, we have to get excited about this today because Jesus Christ got up. That is the gospel. What could possibly be keeping you down? Have you been crucified today? Anybody? Just crickets? I'm just checking. Nobody's been crucified lately. Nobody's been whipped and broken. Nobody's been stoned for the gospel. What could, po- what could possibly be keeping you down? Right? Look, I, don't get me wrong. There are things in this life that beat us up. Right? That, that think they have us left in a ditch for dead. There are things in this life that come after us. I think we paint this picture sometimes of this beautiful, amazing, euphoric Christianity. It's not all like that. Sometimes you're left in a ditch for dead. But today, you are surrounded by believers. You are in the house of the Lord in an environment of faith, and you are going to get back up. Paul was so vibrant, he wouldn't die, right? But he didn't do it alone. He was surrounded by a community of faith, people filled with the Holy Spirit, people who had a helper, a spirit that rose up inside of them and raised the prayer of faith for their brother. The amazing thing about a community of faith is that sometimes you're the one beat up and sometimes you're the one praying. If the leader isn't always the strong one. The loudest in the room is not always the one who needs the least attention. Paul was stoned and left for dead. He wasn't a superhero. He wasn't a god. Just a faithful apostle sent out to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not the gospel of Paul. The gospel of Jesus the gospel they thought they crucified on a hill called Golgotha. Right? They, they thought they buried it in Joseph's tomb. They thought they ran it out of Antioch. They thought they ran it out of Iconium. They thought they stoned it and left it for dead in a town called Lystra. But there were believers. There were believers. Are there believers in the house today? Does anyone today believe... Come on, there, there can be a shift happening in this room today, right? There can be a shift happening in hearts today. You can walk out of here feeling different than you came in. The simple truth that Jesus rose from the dead, the resurrection of Jesus Christ can change everything. The miraculous is possible for you. Right? The good coming from bad is possible for you. If you need a miracle, it's here today. Not because I'm here today, right? But the spirit of Jesus, the resurrection power of Jesus is here for you today. The spirit of God wants to empower you today. He wants to work through you today. He wants to set free the captives and restore the brokenhearted, right? Come on, Aaron, come and help us out here. We're going to sing together a little bit. We're going to raise our hands in surrender. Someone in this room needs Jesus today. And I'm not talking about if you've never received him before. I'm saying we all, we need Jesus. Whether you've been a Christian 
five seconds or 50 years. We need Jesus because it's pretty common in this life to feel beat up and left for dead. Right? It took all you had to come to church today, maybe. The gospel is here for you. Um, We came to church today, not just for ourselves, but for you. We church, not me church, right? We came not just to get something for ourselves, but to serve this community of believers. There is hope in this house today. Today, just say I'm in. The simple truth is that Jesus died on the cross for you. He died on the cross for you. And for me, it's a daily decision to say that. Uh, Jesus, it's been a tough day. Right? When I lay my head down to sleep at night, it's been stressful. There are some things going on that I don't know how to handle on my own, but Jesus, I'm in. I'm into following you. I'm into being obedient even when I don't understand why. Right? I'm in even though I don't see what you're doing here. I can't understand what's going on. I don't understand if there's good at the end of this even. I'm just going to follow you. I'm in. I'm in. If you're in today, would you just stand? I'm in. your first time saying I'm in. Your very first time. This is all new for you. I'm going to ask you to just do a bold thing and come right over here to the front of the stage. Just, It's dark. Don't worry. Everybody's going to be cheering for you, not looking at you, but just come right down here. I want to meet you in just a moment. If it's your first time, if you're watching online and you're saying I'm in for the first time, text the number on the screen. I'd love to help you with that. But look, Today as we sing, there are some of us here that are feeling beat up. Feel like you came in today in that ditch. Like the world stoned you. It's, you don't know if you can go on. Maybe it's grief, depression, anxiety. Maybe it's an illness, right? Maybe it's family issues. It's I don't know, relational things, a divorce coming, um, a kid that's mad at you or estranged. And whatever it is, uh, it can make us feel beat up. But this space here today is for you. This space is still a place where we sacrifice things. We call it an altar. Just the, It's a front of a stage, really. There's nothing magical about it. We call it an altar because it's a place where we sacrifice things. Still, today. We're not sacrificing animals anymore because Jesus already spilled his blood for us. What we sacrifice here at this altar is pride, fear, comfort sometimes. We sacrifice loyalty to other things that don't deserve it. We're sacrificing things here and we're surrendering. We're saying, I'm in. I want the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. 
right? Maybe you barely dragged yourself in here today, but there's a community of believers in this room that wants to just surround you, pray for you. Sometimes you're the one beat up and sometimes you're the one praying. We're surrounded by believers here. There's nothing scary in this room. In fact, we can lift each other's faith. There is an atmosphere of faith when we pray over each other. We lay our hands on each other. We can raise stuff from the dead together. Right? Maybe it's your hope that needs raised from the dead today. And maybe as I was worshiping earlier, I felt like there's some personalities that need raised from the dead today. Some of us have lost it over the past couple of years. Maybe it's depression or losing people in your life or whatever it is, but you feel like who you are is missing. Your very personality. You don't feel like yourself anymore. Jesus wants to breathe his life back into you, give you life and life abundantly, joy unspeakable, peace that passes all understanding. He wants to breathe that back into you. We can, he can raise you from the dead today. Speak life again. And we get to enter these doors every Sunday morning and we get to leave a completely different way because we met with our Savior. Right? Can I just remind you a little today? Freedom Alley is a place of change. It's a place of healing and hope. It is a place of revival. Preachers like to talk about revival sometimes, like it comes with them and it leaves with them. No. Revival came 2,000 years ago on the cross. Revival is here. We are living in a constant state of revival. We forget sometimes. Right? The stuff in this world clouds that. We forget. But the resurrection power of Jesus is always available to you. Always. The fact that Jesus got up from that grave, that Paul got up from that ditch, it's available to you today. So come on, we're going to sing together. And I don't want you to be shy. I just want you to come. If you need hope, if you need healing today, if you need something raised from the dead in your life, you come and you pray and we're going to surround you. I'm going to ask elders and deacons and and partners if you would just come and pray. If there's some of us that are beat up today, you come. Some that are depressed, come. Some that are facing a divorce or a difficult relational situation, come. Some that are are going through a medical thing, you're, you're in pain right now, You are in a community of believers here. And we're going to ask the power of Jesus Christ to come and surround you today. Come now as we pray. Let's sing.
in your homes. Okay, can we do that together this week? Yeah. Father, we just thank you and we praise you for this word. Thank you for this series that you have taught us so much about how to live in surrender to Jesus Christ. God, help us learn every single day in and out what it means to be surrendered. What it means to be so bought into the good news that we're willing to take a beating so someone can get free. God, help us be a church that preaches the good news day in and day out, that has just pockets of believers springing up all around Adams County behind us, that we would be bringing in brand new people into the body of Christ constantly because of our passion, our vibrancy, our selflessness for you. God, let us change the world with the message of the gospel. Be made new from the inside out. Jesus, powerful, beautiful, amazing name. Amen. Amen. I love you all. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.